When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Special well, welcome to MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Got a tremendous podcast for you. One of our good buddies from the 2019 MLB season, Scott Seidenberg, does a great job with a variety of different podcasts. He does some with regards to the football sphere. He has a podcast dedicated to nothing but breaking down New York sports teams from a betting perspective. He also does some hosting with ESPN 98.7 out there in the great state of New York. He's going to be joining me for two segments. We're going to be talking about just some of the latest news that we've seen Yasiel Puig possibly becoming a San Francisco Giant. It's certainly a hot-button topic, and as we know, there are so many ideas that are being thrown out there for how to get baseball back into our lives, so we're going to have a nice two-part conversation with that regard, and everything that I've been seeing with regards to baseball is that we are are going to be getting a 2020 season. You may have seen Jeff Passan on Monday. He said that from everyone that he's been talking about and everyone involved in the process, there will be baseball in 2020, but it's just a matter of how we're going to be getting it, and it's a matter of when as well. I've been talking about this a lot on this fine podcast, which I've been doing three times a week. Once we get baseball back into our lives daily, I'll be going back to daily, giving you side and total on every single game, but there are a bunch of ideas that are being thrown out there. Have everything in one bubble. We saw from 
from CBS Sports last week, perhaps having three different pods, one in Texas, one in Florida, and then having one in Arizona. There's a spring training plan that would lead to divisions being split up into the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League instead of the traditional National League and American League, which that would also lead to a universal designated hitter. And the best thing I could advise you right now to do is to not really look at things with regards to National League and American League, but just look at every single team with its own living, breathing entity and go from there. Because we don't know what sort of baseball season we're going to be getting at this point. Typically, whenever you do like college basketball, you can break things down to the ACC, the Big East, everything like that. When it comes to the NFL, AFC, NFC, and then like the NFC South and everything like that. And typically, baseball is the exact same way. We right now have absolutely none of that. This is why I have not really been going through things like futures odds or anything like that because the futures odds on the New York Yankees is going to change if they're out there in the American League versus if they're having to go through like the Washington Nationals along with teams like the Boston Red Sox, which I don't think the Boston Red Sox are going to be very good this year, but that's one of the normal teams that they go through. You couple that with them having to also go through the Houston Astros, the Oakland A's, you throw in there the Milwaukee Brewers. If they're just in a completely stacked division, their odds are going to be a little bit different than if, say, there is a realignment and they're in with like the Miami Marlins, the let's throw out their Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals, just a bunch of bum of the month teams. It's one of these things where you just don't know how to play it. But what you can do is you can take a look at the strengths and weaknesses of each team. I went through it on this podcast last week. The fact that I think that teams that really rely upon starting pitching might be hurt a little bit more at the beginning of a condensed season because when you take a look at how these guys are preparing right now, there's just not a whole lot that can be done for these starting pitchers. The more I talk with so many of these guys, and I encourage you guys to get as many different perspectives as humanly possible right now because it's really hard to gauge what guys are doing in their spare time by ourselves, but if you're just taking a look at all these different Twitter feeds, if you're taking a look at these different articles in which team reporters are meeting up with these guys, asking them what they're doing during this quarantine time, you're able to get a little bit more of an idea, in my opinion, and with regards to starting pitchers, you have a couple guys that they do have like a bullpen and what you're able to throw into. We saw the just absolutely awesome setup that Marcus Stroman has. That's something that you want to take a look at because this is a guy that he's going to be able to get in some throws. He's going to be able to continue to throw at like 90 plus miles per hour. That's something that I'm looking at for the Mets perhaps being able to have a little bit of a leg up because there are other guys that they don't necessarily have the means of being able to throw like that. We remember we were talking with Matt Pauly. He does pre and post game work for the Milwaukee Brewers. One of the former Milwaukee Brewers pitchers He's right now just throwing into a tarp downstairs in his basement. That's not a really good way of being able to go about it because how do you get in normal reps without having a catcher to catch you? You have to go shag your own balls, everything like that. Who knows if it's 60 feet, 6 inches. So there's just so many things that play into that. And I think that his son was like 12 years old. He was talking about Tim Dillard, former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher. That's something that you want to keep in mind as well. We were talking last week with Danny Vietti. He does great work for CBS Sports. He was talking about how Garrett Cole, his main form of staying in shape is playing catch with his wife. Unless if there's something going on with that relationship that I do not know about, probably not throwing 90 plus miles an hour to his wife for like 100 plus pitches. So that is sort of an angle that I'm taking a look at as well. And it's just being able to get a variety of different opinions. This is something that we've never seen before, which is why you want to be taking it on a case-by-case basis. If you perhaps miss a couple off-season moves, now 
now is a great time to get caught up on them and just try to see how the pieces fit together. Take a look back at spring training, see how the ball was moving because my personal assessment of the baseball that we saw in spring training was sort of a hybrid of what we saw from the postseason and also the 2019 regular season. As we remember, the 2019 regular season, that ball was juice. No fans or buts about it. That had a massive impact and why we saw scoring up in a massive way during the regular season. Then the postseason, it seemed like things returned to normal. It seemed like the baseball was on juice. We saw baseball as we typically knew it in like the 2018, 2017 season, what have you. These are the sorts of assessments that you want to make right now. Just trying to leave no stone unturned, just trying to be able to get some of these logistical things in your head, have an idea of what's going on, and just rolling with the punches because we don't know what we're going to be getting for divisions. We don't know if it's going to be National League, American League. We don't know where these games are going to be playing, but just sort of having an idea as to what the team's strengths and weaknesses are. And then once we know the location, once we know the divisions, putting it all together sort of like a puzzle is the best recommendation that I can bring to you guys. And a man that is doing a lot of what I'm doing right now and does terrific work for ESPN New York and so many other outlets, that would be Scott Seidenberg. We're going to have a two-part conversation with him. We actually have some baseball news with Yasiel Puig possibly signing with the San Francisco Giants. We're also going to be talking about so many of these realignment and so many of these plans to get baseball back into our lives. So a two-part conversation with Mr. Seidenberg is on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Great to have on our next guest. You heard him a lot during the 2019 MLB season. And that's because this man does a variety of different things. And he is super sharp when it comes to baseball. He has a podcast that is dedicated to only sports betting with regards to New York teams. That is for the Believe Podcast Network. He also does some radio work for the ESPN affiliate out there in New York, ESPN 98.7. You can hear him nationally on ESPN radio from time to time as well. This is a man that does a variety of different things, and I know that he was locked into the NFL draft over the weekend as well and did a terrific job of handicapping all that. And you can follow him on Twitter at Scott's On Air altogether. And it is Scott Seidenberg joining me right here on the podcast. And Scott, always glad to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Anytime. Hope you're staying safe there in Vegas. We are certainly staying safe. We are bored, but we are staying safe. And fortunately, after having a drinking problem, thanks to the Green Bay Packers, just absolutely wretched draft over the weekend, we are getting ourselves back off the wagon of drinking so much. So we are doing a little bit better there. And a team that is looking to improve themselves a little bit, and we're going to start with some actual baseball news because... Well, there's been a shortage of it the last two months ever since things have been shut down. And that's that Yasiel Puig, it looks like, is closing in on a deal with the San Francisco Giants. Now, as we know, Giants are a team in a bit of transition. Bruce Bochy no longer at the helm as the manager. Going to be very, very fascinating to see what happens. Cabe Kapler has now taken over the reins there. As we know, Tyler Beattie underwent Tommy John surgery as well. He's going to be out for the year, but... What do you think of Yasiel Puig possibly joining the San Francisco Giants? Because we actually saw the Giants offense be pretty good when they hit the road during the 2019 season. It's just one of those ordeals in which Oracle Park is the most pitcher-friendly park out there in baseball. So I'm going to be very fascinated to see 
how a guy with so much experience playing for the Dodgers so many times in that ballpark would be able to react. You look at Yasiel Puig as a whole, right? Because you have to take every single part of his game into consideration. And yes, that includes his attitude and the way he is in the clubhouse and the way he is off the diamond. But as a hitter, his average, it leaves a lot to be desired, right, Greg? His power numbers have to be up in order for you to deal with the low batting average at times. And in the outfield, his range is not what it was when he first came into the majors, but he does make up for it with an A-plus arm. He's got one of the top arms in all of Major League Baseball. When you combine everything that is Yasiel Puig for a flyer, for a one-year deal, I don't see it as a bad deal at all. I see it as let's see if this guy can contribute at the major league level and earn himself a contract for future seasons with a guy like him. That's almost the way you have to handle it, right? Like he's not the type of guy that I think would thrive on a long-term deal, making a lot of money. I think he's a guy that needs a, a prove it to me contract. And so for a one year deal for the San Francisco giants to take a flyer on him, see if you can get the best out of him in a condensed season, which is what we're staring at here in 2020. I think it's a no lose situation. And I think it's so fascinating as well, because the giants, During the 2019 season, they had a bunch of guys that, let's face it, they got a little bit over the hill. Buster Posey, Brandon Bell, Joe Panic, what have you. They weren't what they were back in 2012. I mean, if you were putting together a 2012 All-Star team, the San Francisco Giants, there you go. But with that said, they were certainly struggling. And now you're bringing in these guys like a Mikey Strzemski, who had a very good entry. Yes, during the end of the 2019 season, he looked absolutely terrific. He was able to catch a little bit of fire, and I think it's going to be so fascinating to see how Yasiel Puig would fit into that because obviously you still got a guy like a Buster Posey on the roster, but the outfield, it seems like, is looking to go a little bit younger. A guy like an Austin Slater who showed you something towards the end of the 2019 season as well. He is out there. He's going to be able to give you some contributions. I know that they were taking some flyers on some contracts of guys that may or may not have made the team like Billy Hamilton, Joey Rickard. I think that it's a very intriguing move, to say the least. What's also good about this is, and I don't know, again, no one knows how this season is going to shape out, right? When they're going to start, we can all assume dates, but whenever they start, you got to think there's going to be some sort of trade deadline, right? Whenever that is, you're going to want to give teams the option to make additions or subtractions at some point during this season. And Puig could be a guy that you could actually flip at some point if he winds up working out for you and you're not in playoff contention. Now, I don't know how the playoff contention is going to work with a condensed season, but that's also how I view a player like Yasiel Puig. It could be a chip at whatever trade deadline they decide to have this season. And I think you bring up a very good point as well. Scott Seidenberg is joining me right here on the podcast with regards to what happens during a trade deadline because there's no way we're going to be getting 162 games in this year. We're already staring at late April, early May as we do this podcast. You're going to need to get a second spring training going, and that means at the absolute earliest, if they were to bring back everyone for spring training, start having spring training games like later this week slash early next week, the earliest, I mean the earliest you get the season going is June. And we remember the San Francisco Giants. At that trade deadline, it looked like they were going to be sellers, sellers, sellers. And then all of a sudden, they just went on this Herculean run 
just before the trade deadline, and it really prevented them from being sellers because it was Elias here or Bruce Bochy and everything like that. And I'm just curious, if you put the trade deadline in the middle part of the season, let's say you get a 100-game season, a 50-game sample size typically isn't necessarily the biggest. And you could see some teams that just because they get off to a massive run, that instead of maybe being sellers like they should be, they instead become buyers. I think of the Seattle Mariners last year. They got off to that ridiculously hot start. If it would have been a 100-game season, I don't think there's any way that they would have been sellers, and that could change the entire complexion of 2020. I don't even know if they're going to do a trade deadline. This season just seems so out of whack that I could see them doing an 80 to 100 game schedule and not even having a trade deadline, just having this massive sprint towards whatever postseason that they decide to have. Now, I tweeted out my suggestion a couple of weeks ago, and I think that it's the best idea that I've at least heard. And I'm not just saying it because I tweeted it out, but I'm reading Jeff Passan post about it and other people as well. You start the season July 1st, Greg. And you play 80 to 100 games throughout October. So forget about the postseason in October. Play till the end of October. So you have July, August, September, and October. That's four months of a regular season. You hold your postseason in November in neutral warm weather sites, whether it's Miami, Dallas, Arizona, you, you know, that's where you would have to have it. And I would take advantage of the dome stadiums in these cities. So no rain can affect these games and you don't have to worry about scheduling. And I would have the postseason in November and we crown a World Series champion at the end of November. Could you imagine a World Series around Thanksgiving. I, mean, I know football owns Thanksgiving, but imagine, you know, you have your football on Thursday, you got some college football games on Friday and the World Series on Saturday. Like what what a great holiday weekend that's going to be. I think that's the best plan for Major League Baseball. Start the season July 1st. More and more states are going to start to open up the, and loosen the stay-at-home restrictions and you're going to be able to have Two to three weeks of a spring training, I believe, starting mid-June. So if you can get these ball ball players together in June, which is another month from now, get the whole month of May out of the way, and we can start to see the infection rate slow down even more than it is already, I think we get Major League Baseball July 1st opening day. I'm right there with you. I've right now been projecting that we're probably going to be getting baseball if we do wind up having a season towards very, very early July. So that's right on track with what I've been seeing. Fourth of July weekend, baseball and fourth of July just goes hand in hand. Just have opening day on the fourth of July. Could you imagine the celebration, especially coming out of what we've been dealing with with this COVID-19 pandemic? It would be such an incredible time for this country to celebrate the 4th of July and the start of Major League Baseball. There's very few things more American than baseball on the 4th of July, let me tell you that. And believe me, if we do wind up getting a World Series towards Thanksgiving weekend, I would be very thankful for that. Let me tell you that much, as we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me right here on the podcast. And on the other side, we're going to be talking about just more of the logistics that is going to be happening with the 2020 MLB season, what's going to be happening with free agency, roster sizes, and some of the teams that we like, given all the circumstances. That is on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Craig Peterson. Welcome. 
Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson, rejoined by our good buddy Scott Seidenberg, does terrific work with ESPN 98.7 out there in New York, ESPN Radio, the Believe Podcast Network, and so much more. And Scott, we were talking about just a baseball 100-game season. I'm right there with you. Have the season start on the 4th of July. It's something that I've been talking about on this podcast for a very long time. And I do think that in order to get that, you're going to need to have spring training revamp. I would say late May, early June. Get everyone in there. Have like a three to four week spring training. And who I really think this layoff hurts the most is these guys that are starting pitchers. They typically go 100 plus pitches. Now, a lot of these veterans, they know how to ramp themselves up. But as we know, starting pitchers, they are creatures of habit. They are guys that they're supposed to be at this point in like April, this point in May, everything like that. And now this is completely thrown out of sorts. I think that some of these guys, they have the same elements that you and I have. They're able to jog outside. They're maybe able to throw downstairs into a tarp in their basement, things like that. And I think that as a result, because typically when we see the start of an MLB season, the pitchers are out in front of the hitters a little bit, and then we see the offense ramp up a little bit from there. I think it could be the absolute opposite this year. I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but I look at teams like the Milwaukee Birds, the Tampa Bay Rays, teams that they don't really rely upon starting pitching, but they rather rely upon depth, and a lot of guys are able to give you a solid two, three innings as teams that might have a little bit of advantage this season. You know, you mentioned the advantage with that, and I actually think that more major league teams are going to do this. I can see a situation where, at least at the start of the season, teams utilize players out of their bullpen as opposed to having starting pitchers go length. And it's not about saving them for later, Greg. It's about the time that it takes them to get ready because you had them start up in a normal spring training and then stop. And now you're going to have these starting pitchers start up again for a modified, let's say, two-week spring training beginning mid-June to get ready for a baseball season in July, they're not going to be ready for the start of the season. So I don't expect pitchers to go deep into ball games, Even though the innings are going to be limited this year because you're not playing 162 games, you're only playing 80 to 100, I believe that teams will be cautious with their pitchers early on knowing that they're not ready because they didn't have a full spring training and you throw in the fact that you had them start, then stop, then start up again they're going to be extra cautious to worry about these guys' arms. I do think that this is also one of these spots in which depth is going to help as well because you just don't know what's going to be happening with some of these pitchers because you see it every year with regards to injuries, but I fear that the injury rate of pitchers is going to be higher this year than ever before because these guys, they typically know their bodies. They know, like I was talking about a little bit earlier, I'm supposed to be here in April. I'm supposed to be here in May. Now everything is thrown out the window. We see Garrett Cole right now playing catch with his wife. That's the way that he's right now starting up the season. But I do think that it's worth looking at what some of these guys are posting out there on Instagram and Twitter. Now, as we know, everyone posts up their best selves on Instagram and Twitter. They're not going to be posting up. Yeah, I've done absolutely nothing the last three months. I really hope that baseball doesn't start up for a while. I need to get caught up. We know that they're not posting that, but with that said, I'm taking a look at a guy like Marcus Stroman, who is showing off the fact that he's got a major league mound. He's able to throw at 60 feet, 6 inches. He's got a catcher. And some of those guys, in my opinion, might have a little bit of a premium just based on how they're able to work out during this very odd period. 
Obviously, yeah, certain players are going to have an advantage of what they're doing, right? And other players not going to have the same type of, you know, luxuries, let's call them, that other players have. Yeah, I do enjoy watching videos of guys working out, whether it's Aroldis Chapman and seeing how jacked he is or, or seeing other guys throw, seeing Garrett Cole have a catch with his wife, who is Brandon Crawford's sister, and she played at UCLA, so she can handle her own catching a fastball. But I'm thinking about teams and Major League Baseball opening up roster sizes for this year. Do you think there's a chance that we could see expanded rosters for this season? Because think about this. Major League Baseball is trying to come up with this plan because these players are working out and some of these players do have the luxuries to be able to work out and get ready for a season. Do the minor league players have the same advantages? Are we going to have minor league baseball this year? We're talking about getting Major League Baseball ready. No one's really discussing what's happening with the minors. They've already been talking about folding several teams across minor league baseball, right? A complete revamp of teams' farm systems. What if we don't have minor league baseball this year and we just have expanded rosters for these major league teams? I think that's one of the most interesting dynamics about all of this is that no one's talking about how the minor leagues are going to be playing baseball this year. Totally agree with you. It's something that I've been looking for a little bit more information on as well, and there's no clear answers. I do think that somehow, some way, we need to get more than 26 roster spots out there. Typically, it was 25. They were going to expand it to 26 this year, but I do think that we're going to be getting a little bit more than that. Question is, how much do you expand it? Because we could see more doubleheaders than ever before. There are so many things that are out there on the table. I personally don't think that you should have as many doubleheaders on there, and for goodness sakes, seven inning double headers to me would just be absolutely awful. There are no, no, things. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. But exactly, but I, could, I could see a thirty man active roster instead instead of the twenty five. And if these teams are going to be playing in their spring training facilities, or if they're going to be playing in certain hubs around the country, as opposed to actually their major league ballparks, and we don't have minor league baseball, I think teams will have like their whole 40 man roster and even more players down at their spring training facilities, as long as they can house them and take care of them and, and everyone's safe health wise and whatnot. And this way you have all your players at this hub and if there are injuries, you can just plug and play guys in from your roster. And here's an even bigger question as well, as we're being joined by Scott Seidenberg right here on the podcast. What happens if a couple players from that roster gets injured? You need to look for a free agent. Do you maybe have like a free agency camp? I remember this a couple years ago. The NFL tried it out. It really didn't take off. But do you maybe have a place where these free agents are able to go, they're able to practice, and they're able to hone their craft? The biggest punchline on this podcast is Fernando Rodney. But you know that at some point, one of these teams is going to get desperate for a lever, and they're going to think, hmm, Fernando Rodney. Somehow, some way, World Series champion. Yeah, that was really weird coming out of my mouth, but still, some team is probably going to be taking a look at that and say, you know what? We could really use a one-ending guy. Let's go out there and take a look. I think that that's an intriguing part of it as well because some of these free agents, we see them make a impact on these pennant chases year after year. Oh, people will be signed, but I don't think it's going to be because they've been working out down at some spring training facility. Someone's going to get signed off their couch, Greg. You know, someone's going to get a phone call and it's going to say, hey, it's Brian Cashman. Would you mind coming down to Tampa and working out for a couple of days and letting us get a look at you? And then, hey, we're going to sign you to our 40-man roster. I think that will happen this year. 
because you're right. You know, there will be some roster manipulation. There will be concerns about player injury. And I think that, you know, the minor league issue is definitely a big one. And free agency is def- is going to be different. We don't know about a trade deadline. There are so many logistical nightmares that come into play here with a shortened Major League Baseball season. When you take a step back and you think about all of them, and as we try to talk through some of them here on this podcast, you kind of do get the sense that, man, maybe we don't get baseball as soon as we thought we were because there are so many things that the league has to look at. I'm right there with you. And one of the big things that I'm looking at right now to be able to prepare for the MLB season is I'm not taking a look at, oh, who I think is going to win the NL Central, who I think is going to win the NL East, because we have no idea what's going to be happening with these divisions. We remember a few weeks ago, it was thrown out there whether or not we're going to have the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League, the National League and the American League. Heck, we might have the Martians versus the Turtles at some point. I mean, we just don't know what's going to be happening right now. And I think the best approach that you could take is just looking at every single team on a individual basis right now. Like the Milwaukee Brewers are out there on their own island. The Texas Rangers, they're out there on their own island. The New York Yankees, you don't think of how the New York Yankees are going to knock off Houston Astros, but how the New York Yankees stack up with every other team. And I think that that's the best approach that you could take right now, just because when you're investing in futures and everything like that, other than odds to just win the whole shebang, Everything else right now is up in the air. Speaking of the New York Yankees, if there was any team that benefited from a delayed start to the season, is it not the New York Yankees? And the I Houston mean, Astros. Well, well, yes. I think that obviously all of this has gotten people to distract them away from the sign stealing and the booing and the bean balls. And doesn't it feel like the John Boy videos were like three years ago? <laughs> this wasn't something that we were doing just a couple of months ago talking about the Astros. But no, think about the injuries that the Yankees have been dealing with. Now these guys are going to be healthy by the time the season starts. <laughs> You're looking at like James Paxton injured. Well, he'll be back by the time the season starts. Uh, you know, Aaron Judge had his injury. He'll be fine. You know, John Carlos Stan, he's fine. Aaron Hicks might be able to play a full season now, and he wasn't going to come back until the All-Star break. So I don't know what's going to happen when the season does start, but it does seem like the Yankees, who have been dealing with all these injuries, all of a sudden are going to be one of the healthier teams when the season does start. The absolute irony of it, and the reason why I also bring up the Astros, is that Justin Verlander, a few weeks before the season, he said, it would take a miracle for me to be available for opening day. Well, something happened that great opening day. I wouldn't call it a miracle, but something certainly did happen. And then you also have Lance McCullers coming back as well. As we know, he missed the entire 2019 season. He was going to be on an innings restriction. Well, you know what? In a 100-game season, you don't have to put in as many innings as a 162-game season. And who are a couple teams that you are looking at with regards to a future standpoint? Because obviously, New York Yankees, Houston Astros, those teams are going to be there. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can put them in the Cactus League. You can put them in the Grapefruit League. You can put them in the American League. It doesn't matter. These teams, in my opinion, have a big-time benefit. But I'm also looking at some of these younger teams as well, like a Toronto Blue Jays, the Chicago White Sox. Some of these teams are a little bit younger. They're not used to the grind of a 162-game season. All you need them to do is get hot for a little bit of time, and that could actually just push them into a very good playoff spot. What sort of playoffs we're going to get, who knows? But it seems like a lot of the younger teams 
They wear down towards the end of the year. And maybe this per, this condensed season helps out those teams like the Blue Jays and the White Sox. I like the Phillies a lot this year for some reason. And it's not just because, you know, I love Joe Girardi. You know, getting Zach Wheeler into that rotation, you know, put him with Aaron Nola and the rest of that group, I think it adds to the depth of that rotation. They do have Didi Gregorius now at shortstop. McCutcheon probably going to be healthy. Right? When baseball starts to come around, I mean, this is a Phillies team that could be dangerous this season. And I'm not too sure a lot of people have them as finishing highly in the NL East, but you have to almost throw every expectation out the window with a shortened season. And with a manager that is championship tested, I think the Phillies might be an interesting team in a sprint run. And they certainly do have the talent. We all know the moves that they have made the last couple of years. You've got Bryce Harper. If he's able to get hot and he's able to perform to the contract that he signed this last offseason, obviously, Phillies are going to put themselves in a good position. And Scott, I know that you always put yourself in very good positions. I would like to close it up with this. You do some absolutely terrific work for a variety of different outlets. Your schedule is a little bit different right now, as I'm sure pretty much everyone else's is. I know that we've got so many people that... We both know and love out there on furlough and everything like that. It's been a tough time in the sports media industry, but you're doing a great job of rolling with the punches. So let the good people know where they can find you on social media and just hear a little bit more of your work. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott's on air. It's S C O T T S O N A I R. Gambling podcast has been on hiatus, you know, because we really don't have anything to bet on besides the NFL draft that we had last week, which was tremendous. But my two football podcasts are going strong every single week. Myself and a former NFL scout and coach Chris Landry. We pump out the film room podcast. We got the pro football film room and the college football film room. You can check those out on the Believe Podcast Network and everything I always tweet out all my appearances and whatnot on my Twitter page at Scott's on air. And hopefully I'll be back on a radio near you sometime soon. (laughs) I'm hoping for the same thing as well as I've been doing a little bit less with Vegas. It's an information network given. Well, there hasn't really been any games played as well. So I'm right there with you. And by the way, speaking of the NFL draft, the NFL draft went well, unless if you're like myself, a Green Bay Packers fan. At this point, I'm wondering what in the world this team is doing. How about the irony, Greg, right? That Brett Favre was 35 years old 15 years ago when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. And then this year, 36-year-old Aaron Rodgers, 15 years exactly to the day. And they draft Jordan Love with the 26th overall selection. So pretty interesting stuff there. I actually didn't hate that selection. What I hated was drafting A.J. Dillon, a bowling ball style running back, coupled with a guy that translates to an H-back slash fullback in the next round. All that coupled with not picking a single wide receiver at your number in one position. the most deep wide receiver draft. <laughs> I think my drinking problem is starting up again, so I think we need to cut it off right now. So big thanks to Scott Seidenberg for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have a question for the podcast, fire that into my timeline at GNRS41. Going to be coming at you guys three times a week until we get baseball back into our lives. And as long as I don't get a drinking problem from what the Green Bay Packers did over the weekend, it's going to be coming at you every single day once we do get baseball back into our lives. Hopefully you guys are all safe and healthy. I'll talk to you guys in a few. Thank you so much.